You're listening to Firm Up, the Fermented Food Podcast, where we get together every week to discuss anything and everything fermented with your hosts, Brandon and Daniela. This week, we have some breaking news for you. Not really breaking, <laughs> but this weekend, there were some riots. Well, I guess not really riots. I should probably look at my, my notes. Are you exaggerating? A little. But some people were a little cheesed off or, or a little upset about the ban on a specific French cheese. I like the cheese off. Cheesed off? Yeah, it's pretty I, good. I didn't, I didn't do that. I mean, I just took it from some French French article. But it's... Oh. Uh, you didn't have to say that. I'm not going to take credit for it. But yes, it was. Uh, there was uh, New Yorkers that were... Uh, upset about the blockage of a specific French cheese being Mimolette, which has mites on it. It's supposed to be there. It's always been there. Are you familiar with cheese mites? Um, I've heard of exotic cheeses having not necessarily mites, worms. I think Italy has a cheese that has like... Are you talking about the maggot cheese? Yeah. yeah. No, this, this is a little less gross like that i mean this is something that just it's part of the cheese flavor is developed through the mites crawling on the rind not like the the that one that you're referring to i believe that has the maggots in it around it you actually eat the maggots no i mean so i haven't heard of that one specifically but i'm not too surprised that there are cheeses out there like that and you say new yorkers um so just new yorkers not other people in the u.s well okay so here's the thing i can't actually find anything about this other than on French websites, I didn't see anything about the 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 work or the the people protesting. They, I mean, okay, so they weren't really protest. Well, they were protesters, but about forty people showed up in the streets of New York, and they were offering samples on uh, of Mimolette. They had about. 6.6 pounds of it to share with, with people. And so they were trying to educate people a little bit on the cheese because for the last month or more, this cheese mited cheese has been held by customs in the United States, which again, this cheese has been imported before and it's even been imported by the same imported from the same cheese makers many years before. Yes. It's been, well, this, this specific cheese maker has been importing it for the last 20 years or so. Oh, okay. And nothing's really different except that this time they decided that uh, cheese mites at the levels that they were on this cheese rind for the uh, half ton, I believe, that is, is being held. Yeah, it's around a half ton of mimolette that's being held and they consider it to be an, a potential allergen causer. So the cheese mites may cause allergies. And so that's why they're holding it. When questioned, the customs in New Jersey say that it's not, they don't specify what those levels would be. It sounds like they're just making it up. Well, who? It, there's really no no answers as to why that's being held up. Probably because they had nothing else to do. They were just bored. And they're like, no, oh. customs is there for a reason. Just joking. But... Uh, why this is being here held here and, and these protesters are a little bit upset and the protest kind of came was was inspired by a facebook group that was started to save mimolette save the mimolette is where you can find it i think you'll find it in the show notes at firm up slash eight i'm sorry i didn't even tell you what episode this was this is episode <laughs> 18 today and in doing so i screwed up trying to tell you that but it's firmup.com slash podcast slash 18 that you'll find show notes for today but this uh, this ban has inspired the Facebook group. It's inspired the protesters on uh, the sa- the Saturday, previous Saturday, this weekend, from this weekend. And there's th- all they said was that the quantity is above the accepted level. And again, I wonder if that means that they're gonna forever ban it. They've been holding it for a while. We'll see. I wonder what they're determining. It's FDA inspectors who have that in New Jersey. So we'll see if you want to see this cheese mite though. And I don't know if it's this specific same cheese mite that's in Mimolette, but there are other cheeses that also use a cheese mite in the rind to give in part a specific flavor. It kind of tunnels through and eats things. You can see a video. So do you eat the mite too? I believe the mite is generally gone by the time, but I could be wrong. I don't actually, 
Mm, sounds like they'd be there. Otherwise. Otherwise, why would they be imported and then still on the, the cheese? Yeah. Yes, I will have to follow up on that. But it, yes, it does make sense that they would still be there if it's being imported. It's probably going to be sold soon. So yes, that makes sense. But it's a part of in, in the traditional cheese uh, flavor that is is produced. And in, I'm curious if that was an accidental mistake that was a good one of the mite being on there by accident. And they were deciding that it's a very good flavor. So they just kept going with it. Just curious how that came about. Or any of those really crazy exotic cheeses that have certain bugs in them or things that... That might be accidents? Yeah. No, it makes sense. I think this one was a specific... Uh, on a ban of a, another cheese, this one was inspired and made. I don't know the history how on this one it? that well. But I don't know, again, where they got the idea of the cheese mites, though. But, yeah, it's it's definitely possible. And uh, it's interesting. But, again, not being able to find that much information on it makes it a little bit... It's just on French websites and this Facebook page. So there's not a whole lot of information out there. Well, probably because it's affecting them the most because they're not the ones making the money from it. Sure. And, and, and mo- a, a lot of people probably have no idea what Mimolette cheese is. But that's where the conspiracy theory could come in. <laughs> Which is? What if this cheesemaker is really trying to get publicity? And they added extra mites in order to this. This has made. I mean, we're talking about it. Are you a just Facebook page this up? is talking about it. What did you just really just make that up, though? The theory. Well, I'm just trying to think about what could could possibly <laughs> happen okay. that would cause this, and why it's not being covered anywhere. But you know, it is it is working to bring education. Unless, of course, Mimolette was to be banned permanently, which it probably sounds pretty won't be Mimolette. Yeah, I do not even know if I pronounced that correctly, but <laughs> you at least like the way that I pronounce it. It sounds pretty okay. Yeah. Well, it's pretty. It's got mites. It's pretty cool. And those mites just eating, eating away. Little video of it, microscopic. It's cool. So it's on a microscopic level, really. It's not something you can see with a naked eye. I don't know if you, I'm. I don't know if you can see them with a the naked eye. But it is a microscopic image that you're seeing. It's uh And you mean online on the video? Yes, in the video on YouTube. It's uh from the the Dutton Labs. They're uh, Rachel Dutton and you know the Harvard crew with Benjamin Wolf and I. I mean I think uh, they posted it just recently. I saw that video through through Twitter that Benjamin had posted. So it's 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 a pretty cool video. You should check out the mites if you're not familiar with cheese with mites. Will go that check be it in out. The show notes. It's in the show notes as well. Yes. So interesting stuff. We'll keep you updated. But that was the breaking news for this week. And so, you know, wanted to make sure we shared it, even if it ends up unfolding differently. We wanted to make sure you get the information first. But, you know, there there's still a little bit of other cheese news out there. This one's a little interesting dealing with carbon neutral cheese. So there's a, a, a Kent cheesemaker that is uh there's there's a uk cheesemaker uh called winterdale so winterdale cheesemakers of rotham they're create the a cheddar which uses only renewable energy and produces no carbon emissions it's kind of cool in the sense that they're well not only are they transporting the cheese and delivering the cheese with an electric truck which they power through solar energy at their cheese making facility. So they're delivering it without, you know, with so renewable it's really resources. Only sold locally? No, they all over UK. Something like that. I'm not exactly <laughs> certain how all over it is, but they're going they're driving all over the place. But it's definitely in London and otherwise and that is a little trek into town from Rotham, I believe. They made it sound like it was. So Far enough for an electric-powered truck to to go, though, uh, and, and come back and still be charged all on one charging. But they're transporting this cheese by electric truck, uh, truck so solar-powered truck that they're powering at their farm. And uh, the owner is Robin Betts, and he started this place in 2006 with his wife and family. 
I don't know if he's putting his kids to work or what that means, but that's what the article said is with his family. And they are um, using the milk as it comes straight out of the cow. So it's still warm. So they're not having to warm it up and they're putting it straight in their cheese vat. And then they don't use any energy to start the cheese making process because it's already warm. So they're able to inoculate it with the bacteria that they need it's pretty cool though. and not have to warm it up. And then they're using for their heat source because they need to keep that. At a, and they're not having to heat up the milk, but they do need to maintain temperatures throughout the ripening process. And so in doing so, they are using a ground source heat pump, which is taking water from that's being raised. Uh, the temperatures are being raised naturally. And this... This I wasn't familiar with the ground source heat pump, but it's a it's a series of buried pipes that you know are about not too far under the ground, but they're at temperatures where it remains at fifty three degrees, and so then they run it through a compressor and bring the temperature up to one hundred and twenty two degrees to one hundred and thirty one degrees Fahrenheit, and I guess bringing it through this compressor, which is also solar powered, they're able to heat up water. That's not too cold. And I guess they have a nice system there that's, again, creating no emissions. They're using all renewable energy sources to do this. And um, it's through the solar panels that absorb sunlight and uh, that get their electricity in the place as well. So they can produce all their cheeses without any energy or emitting any carbon, according to the owner. And again, they're delivering their cheese, yeah, across the country. I wonder if that's how eventually it's all going to be. How all cheese will be made. Just everything, but yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Now, the one thing that is probably helping them out a little bit is that they are being sponsored by Nissan. They're providing the truck. Oh. Um, the the electric-powered delivery vehicle. So that, that probably helps a little bit, makes it a little bit more feasible to do the the drive-by in an electric car. And uh, But this is the first UK cheese to have this kind of... I don't know if it's a designation or just marketability that, that, that this is the claim that they're. What about you say first 2K? Are there any in the elsewhere? I do not believe so. I so could be first wrong. Ever. Probably, but this was also a UK article, so it could have just been that they were just focused on. Wow, really? It could have been. I don't know. Yeah, it could be the first in the world. And it's kind of an interesting way to look at how to process cheeses in the most efficient way. And I'm not as big on the carbon neutral terminology, but looking at it in energy efficiency, it's great. And they're able to age the cheeses by storing it in cellars, more of a traditional way. So they're not needing to to heat or... or, or keep them cool. Yes, keep them cool. Which makes sense. Because in warehouses for a lot of cheeses... They are, you know, when it gets cold outside, uh, they are actually, oh yes, I'm sorry. When it gets warm outside, they are actually having to cool it down Well, yeah. in a lot of cheese warehouses when you're doing it at at ground level. But traditionally, a lot of cheeses were in cheese caves and they weren't using electricity. I mean, especially throughout history when there wasn't electricity. So this is again, backwards in some way and forward in others. Yeah. And it's, they're doing their, their first cheese run. Because they had some of this, they had some of these things in place, but they're like completely this way now that they're doing the delivery with their Nissan sponsored truck and everything like that. They're doing their first cheese run to London on Friday, April 19th. So that's coming up soon. So that is pretty cool. I wonder if it's more expensive, more expensive, how comparable in price it is compared to other cheeses. I don't know. I mean, they're, they, the, the, the owner did say in the article that he wanted to be more energy efficient but this was not necessarily the goal of starting the business was to have something like this so i don't know i don't i guess it it's would seem that in some ways it could be more expensive because of the story behind it and in other ways since they are using a lot of renewable energy it might be cheaper to produce and so it would be a little bit less expensive but who knows how those markets and sales things will go it's probably going to sell just because of the story so they probably could mark that price up because they're the only one it's blind demand true I don't know. Interesting. But if you are in London, look for that cheese. What is it again? Just to repeat it one more time for everyone listening. What is the cheese? Yeah. I don't know what the actual cheese... It's a cheddar by Winterdale is the cheese maker. I don't know what the name of the actual cheese is. But if anyone tries this and knows what the price ends up being, let us know because 
I'd be interested to know if it's expensive, it's cheap, if it's it's yeah, carbon neutral though. It's energy efficient cheese making. Taking it straight out of the cow. That's the I think the the smartest point. I wonder if people have done that throughout history. I probably not. I wonder. I mean, it is the the milk is pretty warm when it comes out of a cow, so Yeah, and again it depends on if they're using a mesophilic or a thermophilic bacterial starter as to if they're gonna have to heat it up still some more, but even if they are, then they're halfway there. Yeah, as opposed to refrigerating it or even letting it get down to room temperature. Makes sense. It's kind of cool. Some other things in the news are regarding yogurts. But even before that, a little bit of follow-up is in regard to Greek yogurt and the Chobani lawsuit. That they lost. The Faye lawsuit, yeah, where they're now prohibited in the UK. It's been a lot of UK news. Lots of dairy stuff going on in the UK. Their fermentation. Fermented dairy over in the UK? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think people love it here too, especially in Wisconsin. I read somewhere that, some article where they say that um, Europe's always been known for consuming more fermented foods and it's just slowly emerging in America. Anyway, go ahead with your news article. Slowly re-emerging, I guess, if nothing else. Has it ever been a really big... Some ferments, yeah, definitely. I guess. I, I guess I always think of it as it's a, a new thing because people are finding the health benefits. Yeah, now it's health benefits. Before, there, throughout history, there's been some preservation and it's just been kind of lost, those traditions, even in the United States. But yeah, some have held through, but there's definitely a lot stronger traditional lines of things in in parts of Europe that have made it a little bit easier. But even over in Europe, yes, they might be still eating a lot of fermented foods, but a lot of those traditions of eating them in home has kind of, or making them in home has kind of dwindled away a little bit but they're still consuming consuming it yes but consuming more than here industrially produced as opposed to homemade and so kind of if nothing else losing the traditions behind how to make them but i don't think as much as was kind of uh, lost in the united states probably specialization sometimes it's not such a good thing specialization as in uh specializing and allow someone else to make your food yeah or do everything you know kind of Yeah, as long as we have the keepers of the knowledge and don't lose the ability or the skill to do these kind of things, sure, I guess it makes sense. Not everyone needs to ferment. You can have the village fermenter. I'd be the village fermenter if, if, you know, a bunch of neighbors, you know, didn't want to ferment and they could provide something else and we can all just share and do different things. Except you have a factory that's not really fermenting. A factory? Well, I mean, we don't have a village. Correct. So we're letting corporations take over and we're trusting them to feed us which hasn't been very successful well it has been it depends on how you look at it it has been successful there is reason to even eat some fermented foods from the store that are industrial industrially produced but yes certain things are kind of lost and they're not necessarily using the same kind of starters that would be used traditionally or doing wild fermentation in the same sense and so yes there may or may not be things that are being lost but it's it's still hard to say but for myself i really like connecting with the process it helps me understand a little bit more about food and should be and it's fun and i can make it taste the way i want it I can make products that aren't available, like especially all the yogurts that I really enjoy, especially Vili. I mean, Vili would not pass consumer testing, consumer taste testing due to the texture. People don't want to eat slime, but I love that slime and it tastes so good. It really does. But I think you just love the slime. A little bit more back into what we were kind of talking about as follow up to that, that, that lawsuit that Chobani lost in the UK, again, prohibiting them from using the term Greek yogurt in the UK. And this was the lawsuit that Faye put up against them saying that Greek yogurt is a term referring to place of origin where the yogurt was made as opposed to uh, the the process as in straining yogurt. So it's the, the, again, the decision came about because the British, the, the judge decided that a substantial portion of the British consumers who buy Greek yogurt believe that it is made in Greece. Now, they have been around since the 1980s, Faye, which does produce their UK brand of yogurt in the Greece and imports it into UK. But not in the United States. Not in the United States. But uh, 
it certain commenters on the website were were referring to uh, other people have there's an article that was referring to uh, other people have kind of caught on the same idea that I had that it's kind of hypocritical because they are producing their Greek yogurt. Faye is producing their Greek yogurt in the United States in upstate New York. They're producing it and selling it in the United States and still calling it Greek yogurt, even though it's not originating and being made in Greece. So it's a little hypocritical. Well, it's hypocritical. And also they're scared of losing their market share. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, one person commented saying, seems that if Phage's position is that to be considered Greek yogurt product, it must originate from Greece. Then logically they will be closing their plant in New York. I think the real reason is that Chobani has swept the market out from under them and they are doing anything they can to remain relevant. Which is great and all, but it just makes them less of a company I'd want to support. Because instead of improving their product or marketing it differently, they're going to go and sue someone or another company. Which is very common. Which is great and all, but the fact is that they are being very much hypocrites. And it's known. It's not even that they're trying to hide. It's just... That's what just, it's like for me, I purposely go and buy Chobani now. Since you buy a lot of Greek yogurt? No, but if, if I was, going to buy, if there were two yogurts in the grocery store, I would buy Chobani. Are you saying that you're going to go start to buy Chobani? No, I'm not going to go start and buy it. I'm saying okay. if I'm at a grocery store and I'm buying yogurt to eat or something, or if there are, that's the one I would choose. Honestly, I have never even tried Faya yogurt. I'm, it could even be better, but because of this lawsuit and because they're so hypocritical, hypocrites i would choose chobani well it seems that u.s consumers are also choosing that because again that was a uk lawsuit now we're jumping over to u.s statistics in the united states faye fell from 94 percent in 2007 to 14 percent of sales in 2012 of the greek yogurt market where's chobani chobani is at 47 percent in 2012 but they so 47% started versus in 2007, 14%. whereas yeah. Faya has been around since when, 1980 or when? Well, they've been selling in the UK since the 1980s. I don't know when they came into the US market. I think so it's just all those companies similar. that's been in there forever, but has never and they really... And didn't, they didn't remain re- relevant, it doesn't seem. They didn't seem. keep up with the, the, the... I actually don't have any clue why they're not there the same well, way. Well, marketing but... has a lot to do with it. Well, sure. I mean, even food. I mean, people... Packaging. Exactly. Convenience. I don't know what it is that that Jabani's done then right. I mean, again, we just strain our own Greek yogurt at home, which works great. I mean, it's a lot easier to just do it yourself. But it's uh, one of those things where if you, I guess, if you're going to get it, um, well, we, we just, you know, just do everything yourself. Do everything yourself. No specialization. <laughs> just to be a generalist. I mean, I kind of consider myself. No, a... I think it's important for people to, to, especially when it comes to food, it's important to understand where it's coming from, how it's made. But why is it important? What do you mean? Why? I mean, we've, we can see how this has been affecting us recently, why we are having obesity issues, um, people having health heart issues it's because we let it go we stopped caring we stopped being connected to our food and we let the corporations take over and look what they've done to us we've trusted them we trust them with our food and anything that can be made that quickly that fast arguably can't possibly be that good for you always you sound a little upset about this i sound that i'm upset i just i think people I understand specialization to in many ways, and I know that we as a human race would not have gotten this far if it wasn't for specialization, but I just think people need to be more, they need to, especially with food, they need to be more connected and need to be in the kitchen um, making their food. It's, 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 a, it's a relationship with, with your family, with, with the food itself. And it's it's very sad when, a child, if they all they know is the grocery store and milk comes from the grocery store and they don't know where that milk actually comes from. Well, and then the grocery store, I don't even want to know how that milk gets there. Um, but it's just, it's, it's, food is like what keeps us healthy, what keeps us alive. It's so important in our everyday being and to just let, let that go and let someone else decide how we should eat, what we should eat. It's it's just getting it's getting out of hand. 
So what do you think? I mean, for myself, say 15 years ago, I was probably just like anyone else. Sure, I guess I didn't eat horribly unhealthy, except that I ate a lot of ramen noodles, but I didn't eat a whole bunch of packaged things completely. But at the same time, I said many times that food was kind of an inconvenience. I wish I could just take a pill and get the nutrients I needed. I don't feel that same way anymore. But I think a lot of people do kind of feel that way, that food is just something that is a necessity. And maybe they like the taste of food, but they like the convenience as well. If food was such a necessity and they didn't really care about it, why are we having such obesity issues in this country? Because people do care about food. People like food. They're just so out of touch with what food is that to to so many people, a great meal is prepackaged burgers. A TV dinner and Coca-Cola? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's getting ridiculous. I'm not saying everyone should be fermenting everything, making everything from scratch. I'm I'm not that, um, you know. I, crazy? We, yeah, I guess crazy. It's realistically, it's yeah. It's not crazy. But... I can't go and, and grow, grow my own wheat and then, I mean, I can, but it's just, uh, sure. I'm, I understand that we don't have time for certain things and I'm not saying, sp- we don't have the capability or the ability to spend our so much time preparing food because we do have jobs, but there's a fine line and a good balance. Um, why should I come home after working seven or eight hours at a job and put something in a microwave and call it a dinner? Why not prepare or even prepare earlier? Um, if something needs to be soaking the day before, it takes probably five minutes to prepare something and then finish it the next day. It's just people don't want to think that much. They don't um, I know for myself, I get frustrated because I'm not a good cook. Part of that is just because I'm not very patient when it comes to following a recipe. And I know it's my weakness for cooking or fermentation. I would say Ferm- a little bit, it's just everything in general. I tend to just jump to, I just want to see the finished product. And sometimes that's not beneficial if it requires certain steps and, and processes to get there. But even for me, when I get to that finished product, it's such a reward. And usually the food tastes really good, even for someone who probably could have done a lot more to make it even better. Um, I don't know. And I mean, I I would say, you know, if a person is eating real food for one, healthy food. Um, Which can be deceive or confusing as well. I mean, um, aren't, I would argue that any, doesn't anything that says natural and healthy in the product aisle mean it's healthy for you? No, I'm or not. But that's, that's what I'm talking about. Staying away from the grocery store as much as possible. Sure. We still have to go to the grocery store for certain things. I, that's, I realize that, but not trying to do as much from scratch as possible. Uh, I mean, especially in the summers, if someone lives where it's cold, have a garden and try to eat just the stuff you can't get from your garden most of the summer. I mean, it's totally doable. Um, Get local meats if a person's not a vegetarian. If they eat meats, you know, it's just... Fermenting meat. Mm -hmm. There's so much, so many better ways to eat and that food is so much better um, than getting something from the store that just has a whole bunch of sodium to try and make it taste good it's unhealthy um anyway i'm kind of going off tangent here but it's just something that i just feel like it's just really sad when um when people are just so out of touch with with something that's i I would argue is the most important part of one's being i mean food it's what keeps us alive and to not know anything about it it's really sad to see this does kind of tie in though with one of the other articles recently and so this this really does and i I want to ask you what you think about this too is that some market research done by a company called mintel did a 2012 report on yogurt and yogurt drinks and they said that the u.s population is aging rapidly and that obesity rates are remaining very high and so the demand for yogurt and as a industry term bfy or better for you snacks um, will remain strong and they're saying that the key driver is that millions of americans are aspiring to healthier lifestyle but at the same time they're also unwilling to compromise on flavor okay that's understandable and convenience so people want convenience, and that's why yogurt is a popular health and snack see, because you don't have to me. think about people it. People are always trying to cut, cut, 
get get to places taking a shortcut and i that's probably what is has caused such an unhealthy lifestyle in this country i get people want to be healthy but they don't want to go the the extra mile to get there they just want a shortcut to get there and be healthy so it's like oh maybe i'll just eat yogurt and that's going to make me healthier sure eating yogurt and yeah i i do agree i think greek yogurt has become so popular in this country because it is viewed as a healthy alternative to so many other, so many other things which it is but eating just yogurt isn't going to change everything. Well, a Greek person, yogurt with some of all those sugars that some uh, of the companies well, have. Well, and that's another make... issue. There are so many yogurts out there that aren't even really yogurt. It's What was that one that's a honey yogurt it's, that doesn't even really have any real um, active cultures in it? Um, that's, oh, we talked about it in one of the episodes. Um, but uh, it, my issue is I just feel like people always try to take shortcuts. Um, to get somewhere and it ends up hurting them in the long run. Not and always. I mean, at some point humans invented a wheel, which was kind of a shortcut, but it kind of worked for a few things. But you know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. Where do we draw I, the line? What's a shortcut and what we, is we a... Don't, can... we, haven't dr- we don't have a line. We've just gone overboard with it. You know, we, we just... I mean, it's kind of sad that it seems like so many people, and I know this is, it, it, things are changing and, and people are becoming more aware and farmers markets are becoming much more popular and people are becoming more aware, but it is just really sad that people go to a grocery store and buy food and then go home, put it together, and then they think it's a great meal. Well, I mean, I go to the grocery store and buy food and put it together and you mean buy pre-processed things and well that yeah that too but it's yes just you know someone making a a, let's say a a brownie you know the the i like i think a lot of people get a thing out of a box they bake it and they say oh it's homemade and it's very sad you're really fired up about this today i am i don't know why i'm just it's just one of those things it's i don't know and the thing I don't get is when, when someone tells me that they don't really like vegetables or fruits, I just can't comprehend that at all. I understand not having a specific one that one doesn't like, but just to not be a huge fan of vegetables and fruits, I just, it, I'm just baffled. But isn't that like we've talked before specifically about fermented foods, about acquired taste. A lot of these things are culturally derived or uh, Which social Which shows interaction. how disconnected we are from the food that we should be eating. If someone doesn't like fruits and vegetables, what are they eating that they haven't even really been exposed to something that they should be eating majority of? Okay, now the one thing I do have to say here... Carbs and meat. In an effort to understand maybe where some of those people are coming from, Here's what I urge you to do is keep trying Vili until you like the texture because it's good. There's nothing wrong with it. It's an acquired taste that I happen to just naturally enjoy. The first time I tried it, I loved it. I love that slimy texture as it coats my tongue and that flavor profile that comes across in different way than other yogurts do. So that's what I urge you to try if you is, is in response to what you're saying about but I would argue that people that don't like fruits and vegetables are also probably getting the junkiest vegetable possible in the store. Like if I have a tomato from the store, that tomato is flavorless. So of course I would say, well, I don't like tomatoes. But these people have had like real tomatoes. tomatoes. Exactly. Until I it's started just, gardening. And I know it's not anyone's fault for being this way. It's just how we've come to be. It's just sad that this... And I, I say this is because we let corporations pretty much... We just let them... We trust them with our food, and I don't trust them. Well, I don't think necessarily everyone's trusting corporations as in they're thinking about it that way. I just I think really they're trusting that, the grocery well, store and, a lot and of this times. this totally reminds me of the conversation we had about cheese, and I apologize if I'm jumping ahead here and you were going to mention this later, but the, the GMO um, in, what is it called? The, the GMO in... in in uh, fermentation processed rennet? Yes. I was really shocked to, to, to hear that. And it's just, it's just scary. What you're referring to is the FPC. It's the form of, uh, according to where, who distributes these uh, rennet 
Okay, so, so the rennet give suppliers because I didn't. You had to explain this to me. So to make cheese, one has to have rennet. Correct. It's the coagulant that coagulates the milk in many cheeses. The majority of cheeses use rennet to thicken the milk, separate the curd and whey. And that rennet, little miss ninety. What? How many percent of the cheeses? Ninety percent of the cheeses is GMO, genetically modified. The rennet is not GMO. The cheeses are not GMO. Not the cheese. The the rennet is derived by stepping back a step further. Rennet is traditionally derived from a calf's stomach, the fourth stomach from a calf, and by using the same enzyme, it's a proteolytic enzyme that is used in the calf. Or the calf stomach or human baby stomach uses it to slow down and curdle the milk that it digests as a baby mammal so that they can absorb more of the nutrients before it just passes through because milk being a liquid isn't going to stay that long since they're not digesting anything else. But it curdles it so that it digests slower. We can use that rennet from that 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 enzyme that is traditionally salted and dehydrated and then used we can use that enzyme usually in liquid or tablet form to coagulate the milk and do the same thing that it would have been doing in that calf stomach but alternatives vegetarian alternatives maybe cheaper alternatives sometimes as well there are plant-based rennets that you can use that are going to be a thistle or nettles but from what I've been told, from what I've read, is that they make them uh, more bitter, especially if you're going to age them for longer, which I still need to try and I want to experiment with just to see, but they are supposed to make it more bitter. And so then another option is microbial rennet, which is going to be created by the uh, a specific fungus. And there's no fungus in the rennet, but it creates a similar coagulating protolytic enzyme. But again, it produces kind of a bitter rennet or a bitter flavor in the aged cheeses. So instead they came up with this FPC, this fermentation processed rennet, which is kind of cool in a lot of ways. I mean, they're extracting DNA from actual calf stomach from that fourth chamber. They're extracting the DNA from it and inserting it into bacteria, yeast or or molds. And then those they're using those bacteria, yeast or molds and genetically modifying those organisms so that they produce the chemosin, which is the protolytic enzyme in calf stomach. And so they are, are making it from that. So that kind of steps. Uh, so it's, it's, it's genetically modified GMO derived is what you'd say, but there's no genetically modified organism or any GMO in the actual rennet, but 90% of the American uh, North American cheeses are using this rennet according to the suppliers of this stuff. So, Which is a little scary. So if you find vegetarian that's cheeses, there's a we good... don't really know that. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not required to be on the label. You'll see it on there potentially. Uh, it's not if it's labeled vegetarian, it could be this. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily bad in any way. I no, just, because it's not bitter. It's so just, it solves the that issue. The scary thing is just that I feel like we should be we should know about that. It and it could. I'm not saying that it's going to cause any harm, but we should at least have the the option to choose or to know which hadn't you thought of this random thought of to look into this not many people have any clue but at the same time i can see the side of it why well i definitely can see the side of why uh people want to lobby against allowing gmo labeled things because this rennet is kind of a difficult thing to say it's like well okay it's using genetically modified organisms which may or may not have any effect but the actual chemosin, the, the protolytic enzyme that's being created, is the exact identical replica to what is coming out of the calf stomach. So it's creating the same enzyme. If there's nothing genetically different about it, it's not a genetically modified organism in its own. So what are the ramifications of that? I don't know. I don't know if there's been any studies done about it or anything as to if there's any effect to creating these weird calf stomach bugs that are then producing this. There probably isn't a whole lot of data on it. But if someone hears that and they can see it on a label, they may just decide not to use it just because they're scared of it, which it may not do any damage. 
that's I think that's that's kind of that challenge is like I'm not saying that a lot I, I want to eat genetically modified vegetables or otherwise I don't want to necessarily digest these things that are directly connected to it but things that are once removed what are the benefits or drawbacks to that if it's the exact same enzyme which is why I say just make your own don't even have to worry about this well sure because yes you're not going to be able to probably source the FPC rennet this GMO derived rennet as a hobby cheesemaker as far as I understand and I don't know how prevalent it is in artisanal cheeses too. So if you're supporting, you know, cheeses, small dairy cheesemakers, then it may not be as, I don't know how prevalent it is in them, but they're still making vegetarian cheeses. And since it doesn't have to be labeled either way, it does make me wonder, are they using the one, because especially if they're aging these cheeses, like I know uh, Hook's cheddar, which is one of the long age cheeses, they have the like five, 10, 15 year aged cheddar cheeses it says microbial rennet i don't know i mean if it is a microbial as in the one that turns cheese slightly bitter or if it's the one that is the fpc rennet and so that's the that's the downside for the small artisanal cheesemaker that may be using the microbial one but given that it doesn't have to be it can't be labeled as can't be or doesn't have to be I don't know what the, what are, I don't, can't think of what the laws are exactly on, because I know for certain things you can't even label them as not GMO. Like you can't state that they're not GMO. No, no, no. I think you, you can, can say. Okay. I think, um, I actually, if I remember correctly. Well, they would all be able to label saying they're people, not GMO. Yeah. I think people have the option of, or producers have the option of saying not GMO, um, but there, no one's required to say if they are GMO. Okay, so so even still, they all cheesemakers would probably be able to say that they're not GMO unless they're using correct some, because it's not a GMO product; it's a GMO derived product. And see, that's where it gets all mixed up. I don't up. even know. I just that's where that's where I can understand why the argument for like uh, uh, businesses that, especially large businesses, don't want these things on labels in Which the United is, States. And that's like the whole thing. And I probably am thinking of this because I've. Um, I was going to get into it a little bit, but you know, I've I've kind of started making um, my own bread. Not really making my own bread. I just really started just with the sourdough leaven or starter. But it's kind of like that whole idea of um, we don't have really necessarily breads in grocery stores. Sure, if you go to a, a local bakery, um, you know, someone that's really passionate about making bread. Yeah, yeah, but the grocery store, you're not going to really find some of these long-term fermented breads. That's just not feasible. It's going to depend. Um, some grocery stores. Depends on the grocery many store. Many grocery... I've... Uh, I don't know. Supermarkets. Um, oh, that's what I'm know. referring to. It's just like a place people go to buy their groceries. You know, the big store. Is supermarket really a larger term or is that just more of a European term? I'm not sure. Or a certain um, geographic but, region term? That's just the thing, though. So, you know, someone's going to go buy their groceries and they want bread. More likely, they're not going to find an actual good fermented bread. Slow um, fermented bread? Is yeah. that what you're referring to? And, and so that's just a sad thing. It's like people have to seek these things out. Well, isn't um, that what you're saying is what people should be doing is seeking these things out? So is it really that sad? Like, no, but that's what I'm saying. But so many people don't think about it that way. They just go to the grocery store and they think they're buying good food. They have to, what I'm saying is it's, it's, it, we've gotten to a point because we're letting these corporations decide how our food should be made. And a lot of people don't question it. They go to the grocery store and these people think that they're getting good food. As um, long as it says healthy or natural or Yeah. You know, and some people bread. really just listen to that or follow it. And sadly, they're not. It's like people are trusting too much. So yes, I, I do say, you know, people should be seeking out better foods. They should be spending more time thinking about their meals and eating shouldn't just be something to be done really quickly so we can go move on and sit down and watch some tv i think some people are probably doing things other maybe more valid than watching television not that television i just think i mean yeah this is just it's it's a very personal obviously um thought and i know people will disagree with me and that's completely fine um but i guess for me if a person knows what they're eating and they choose that that's completely fine yeah like, like it's a person that says i like my coca-cola i don't care if it makes me exactly. fat exactly 
that, but it's like, just make a, a decision. I guess for me, what I would really love to see is people know what they're doing and doing it consciously knowing I'm just going to eat this bread or eat this chicken, knowing that it's probably not the best or not even think it's just not even thinking that it's not the best, but knowing how that chicken lived or how it would have been, you know, pr- processed, that kind of thing. It's just like, that's, I think what gets me that people just trust too much. And I don't, I, I, do you think it's trust or do you think it's just lack of awareness or lack of caring? Lack of I mean, people have to first, like people don't know what they don't know. So they don't even you know, know that it's something thing to that consider. The that bugs me the most is, and I've, it, this is someone I, um, I went to college with is, uh, you know, Splenda or um, those fake sugars, sweeteners. Um, this one person consumes them um, because uh, it, they want to lose weight or sure. be healthy. And um, someone else had commented saying, you know, real sugar is a way to go or something like that. And this person that eats or consumes Splenda said, because um, this person also said something about that being cancerous. Um, and so this other person stated, um, it, it was just, it's something that stuck with me. This is, I've, I've, I've heard this so long ago, but they, they said, um, whatever, everything is going to kill me these days. So like, I don't care. I'm just going to consume this cancerous sweetener because so is everything else. That's, everything around me is cancerous too. Well, that does bring up a valid point of a lot of times Which, people will, if, if, if it's an over sensitization to, or there's so many choices, there's, there's so many things to learn, so much awareness to have on these different things. And since it's, it's possible, impossible to keep up with all of them, even the, that fake sugar related things, the sugar alternatives, I mean, some of those carcinogenic potential studies or or whatnot you know have been shown that well they might not be as dangerous as once thought i mean and so some of those even studies and common knowledge of some of those alternative sugars causing cancers is you know not necessarily backed up with a whole lot of evidence but still not and and that's where these things get difficult is it's like okay well not necessarily everything unnatural is something to be scared of i mean it's kind of like like i say about calcium chloride being added to to cheese making a lot of times because pasteurization removes a lot of calcium from it. And calcium chloride is added to streets to de-ice roads in areas where there's snow and ice, but sodium chloride sounds pretty scary too, which is table salt. So some of these things aren't necessarily unnatural or, 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 or laboratory derived. It, it's, it's a very complicated thing. I mean, some of these things are, are confusing. And if there's that overload of, of, trying to keep up with everything. I mean, I try and keep up on everything fermentation related and there's a lot of health claims and whatnot. And, and I personally kind of step back. And so I'm kind of doing the same thing as that person is to a certain extent with sugars. I'm stepping back and I'm saying, well, there's still a lot of health claims made about fermented foods that either don't have a lot of evidence behind them, or it seems that, you know, it's just way too outlandish and and there's no evidence for, but people are making claims about fermented foods being healthy and people assume that yogurts are healthy, which there, you know, are definitely plenty well, of studies are, for, but, but I tend to step back from that. I'll continue watching all those things. I'll stay aware of them. And I'm not just like giving up on the health benefits of fermentation, but at the same time, I don't have irrefutable evidence in either direction that fermentation does things or doesn't do things. I like how it tastes. I like how I feel from eating it, but that's just anecdotal. So I don't even have information. So I kind of step back from the health health claim side of things. I'm not going to push fermentation as a health related thing because there is just overstimulation of all these different sides and angles and skeptics and, uh, you know, uh, evangelists of fermented foods. So when I would argue the reason we're so hung up on health now is because, you know, when people used to eat food real food there really wasn't that much question about health it was just food that's what we ate to to be healthy to have energy um but because we've we've become so disconnected from it um and have so many more options to choose for meals now it's just become a whole new game as to like well i'm gonna eat this or this or it's gonna give me this kind of energy or i need this it's just it's just become like it's definitely become a a a product of, of con- 
how, almost like a materialistic item in a way, you know, sure. it's, it's a commodity. It's, yeah. It, it's like, I mean, I, I, I was telling you, I think yesterday, maybe it's like, you know, it, it kind of makes it easier for me, at least having somewhat of a, an understanding of what I enjoy eating and, and trying to really eat real food. And, um, because going to the grocery store, if you look at the frozen section, it'd be so overwhelming. So if I completely didn't really care about like what's in the food and just was going to go buy food to eat it'd be overwhelming to have to pick something from there there are so many different packages some look pretty some look old school like the traditional looks it's just it's crazy it's like i'm shopping for shoes you know it, it, that's how i compare it so it's like it just makes my life easier i i don't i don't buy that much stuff at the grocery store i mean i do obviously some stuff but it's like the less is more in my opinion it's just simple um but yeah. Wow. Anyway, we can uh, we can definitely move on. This was not supposed to be a, an episode about me going on about grocery store and, and my feelings on food. But yes. I'm still grateful for grocery stores here in the winters in Wisconsin. Still not to the time of root cellaring everything and preserving everything. So, you know, I definitely rely on the grocery store to a certain extent for some foods throughout the no, and, 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 and I'm definitely saying there's a good balance. I just feel like we've kind of gone overboard with it. We don't really. You just want people to be more aware and yeah, make that conscious really. choice. That's that's really yeah. And you in, can take baby way, steps too. I mean, my brother is a great example. Um, he knows how I eat. He's a complete opposite of me. He's well aware that the stuff that he eats is not good for him, but he just doesn't care. So I'm fine with that. Hey, I've we've talked about it. He he knows that what he's eating is probably not good for him, but he's choosing that, knowing you know he's he he knows and he chooses it. Then that's great. Yeah, and it's probably easier for him because he doesn't have any uh, recognizable health issues at this point. He oh, still yeah, feels young and healthy and or, or healthy enough, and so he's not concerned about it. It's just, Which to me is still crazy because just because I'm young and healthy doesn't mean I'm gonna go purposely, you know, consume something and. And just be like, oh, I'll deal with it when I'm old. But that's... Yeah, but humans are very good at dealing with things later on in life. I, I guess. It's hard for us. To, it, we're good with the immediate. Good with those things that, you know, are going to either trick, trip our dopamine drip or turn something off to you I know, do love my fear. coffee. So I, yes. Well, there's lots of studies out there that say coffee's good. It's oh, fermented. I'm I mean, come addicted on. to it. And chocolate. That's one thing I'm just really... One thing that grocery stores are in handy for is, is mm-hmm. chocolate. <laughs> Why don't you start it, making your own? It'd be difficult. Oh, that's see. Well, and, but you can conch your own chocolate and uh, roast it. I mean, some it things are really, really more specialized. Yeah, you can argue. Well, you're you're just picking and choosing, which I am. You're still specializing. Well, I mean, you're choosing you to do one thing and exactly uh, and, and enjoy and, 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 and reap the benefits of someone else's specialization that wants to make chocolates. Correct. So, I mean, I personally would be drawn to doing all these kind of things if I could afford and have the time to to have all the special equipment for different things because I mean, chocolate roasting, roasting and, and making is, is something I looked into at one point, uh, back when I was roasting my own coffees and different such. And it's just definitely a little bit involved, definitely doable, but it's always about adding one extra thing to my life and to my process of, of creating stuff. It's kind of like, where's the fine line between what am I going to make versus what am I going to just get? Yeah. And it's, I think it's making, so it sounds like you really just are hoping that more people will make conscious choices on where they draw that line, what Correct. line they're willing to draw in yeah, which part of sand. That's a really good way of explaining it. Yeah. So it's it's less about people necessarily needing to, to uh, even if they're going to choose up. to buy their own foods or, or you know, uh, not cook or not ferment or do different things, you know, or, or choose yogurt as their healthy option, you know, at least go a step further. It's like instead of just thinking generically that all yogurts are healthy based on what they've either read or heard and be like, well, I, I eat the cheapest yogurt I can find and it has all these artificial sweeteners and colors and dyes and different stuff in it. Instead of just, you know, any yogurt being okay, you want people to at least do a little bit of research and, you know, uh, they don't necessarily have to go so just far as question to... things more. I feel like in America, that's what hurts us a lot. Just in general. Us? Or, just, you know, people just well, are, people, we just don't question enough. We just kind of think everything is, I think people are yeah, definitely again, questioning more and more now. It's hard. Where do you question? What do you question? I mean, it's like you can question in one direction, but you might miss in questions in the other side. I guess it's just so difficult. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It still, it still makes a difference. And now you have 
Oh, like going back to your your bread related stuff. I mean, this this last article was kind of interesting in in the idea of of celiac disease. If you're familiar with that, um, the autoimmune disorder of the small intestine, which is affecting, uh, it, it's caused by gluten in bread and causes issues. It's a gluten intolerance of sorts and or sensitivities to it, and and it's on the rise there's more people i mean that could be many different things it could be people that are just being diagnosed with it more it's it's more of an awareness so people are maybe there there's not more people with celiac disease it's just that it's in the awareness of doctors so they're saying that's what it is but if you just go with there are you know in theory more people actually developing this then there's celiac disease researchers and plant geneticists have theories on on what's going on and and one of those that was brought up in an article is that these abbreviated cooking times of these breads baking times of these breads because there there's a quote in there most of the plastic wrapped bread you find it at grocery stores is made very quickly with yeast it goes from flour to plastic wrap in three hours or less now that's really fast a lot of people are still making this kind of thing at home like that too. I mean, you make breads, you've made breads with uh, quick rising yeasts and different yeah, things. I still took longer than three hours. I mean, I, I fermented probably three to four hours, sometimes even six hours if I'm just lazy and have things to do. But yeah, I mean, even, I, I think that's very, that's really extreme. Um, I mean, well, I'm, I've, Go ahead. Even in those time time periods, I mean, there's the, even in your short shorter time periods, and what a lot of people do when they're cooking at home, when they're cooking with those those uh, it's strong that strong uh, strain of yeast from the store that you get at, at the supermarket, it's it, there's just not time to break down the gluten proteins to the well, same it, way. It's so, not the same process. It's a it's a yes, it's it's different. Um, and it's similar to how the breaking down of lactose in yogurts. I'm lactose intolerant. I can eat dairy products that are fermented. I can eat cheeses. I can eat yogurts because that lactose has been broken down. It's back to all that kind of stuff about why ferment or different things like that. Part of it is that foods are pre-digested to a certain extent. Some proteins that are or sugars that are difficult for some people to digest are digested or at least partially pre-digested for us. And so there's not the same issues in people's gut and, and different things like that. That's not to say that these longer fermented breads going 18 to 25 hours are going to solve a person's celiac disease or that they'll be able to eat it. Oh, but they're but... so, so delicious. Um, I mean, I, I grew up obviously eating quick breads, what you would refer to as quick breads. I mean, my mom, you know, she lets them ferment for like three to four hours and she uses quick yeast but um i mean just recently i really started getting into the sourdough um well starters or leavens making them myself myself and um even the my first attempt at making bread um with my sourdough starter and i have i mean obviously i'm the kind of person that has a very hard time reading instructions and really following through and or you know maybe read the whole recipe before starting something i kind of read the first part i'm like oh this looks fun let's start it and then not realizing i didn't have to have the things but even with my somewhat bread that i made that could have been improved so much more if i actually just followed instructions fully um the fact that it ferment it took i mean it's saturday all day i spent um just really kneading it letting it rest um working with it and then let's letting it sit in the fridge for 24 hours once it was baked it was so good i mean it was just um it's and i mean i don't know maybe it's in my head i can't figure it out but it was just so delicious it was it wasn't as I mean, my mom's bread sometimes is kind of sticky, and and it, I mean it's cooked fully. It's just you know I think it's just it's that quick ferment that happens, um, but it's so worth it. So I'm really looking forward to really experimenting, and I'm going to share definitely things that I find challenging or things that I enjoy. So far, I have to say, in my opinion, it's a little challenging. It's simple. A sourdough starter really is just water and flour. There's not much to it. Obviously, there's a lot more to it because you could the kind of flour one chooses, um, you know, how much water to flour ratio, there's all, all of that goes into it. So it's almost, there's a lot a person really can learn about sourdough, which I'm kind of really getting excited about just because I grew up eating bread every day for every meal. I mean, even with pasta and potatoes, like really extreme eating bread with everything. But now that I'm going to start experimenting, um, with long fermented breads and it's just, it's, it's so far, it's been a great experience and um, 
I, I, th- I think fermented breads are really something and someone, I feel like everyone should at least try once or twice to really compare because the store-bought breads, I mean, they're not, I've never really enjoyed store-bought breads anyway. No, you anyway. can find store-bought breads or, not, uh, or not local bakers. Not in supermarkets. Yes. Okay. In, Depends on how you want to term it, but there's plenty of grocery store-like shops that have artesian breads and there are plenty of them that are making long fermented breads. It's just that goes back to that awareness thing is being aware of which bakeries are doing that. And also are they using ingredients that you feel comfortable with and different things like that. But um, there's a lot of uh, bakeries throughout the nation. In some areas there's fewer, but there's fresh bread options. So it's just, it's something that, yeah, definitely it's fun to do at home. And there's that sweat aspect to it. You work hard for all those hours and have something that's delicious and a complex flavor because it's fermented for a long time. Yes, you know, eighteen to twenty-five hours at least. You know, I like and reading the recipes all the way through. Yeah, I mean, this it it at least seems like a better idea, so that like our guts stop rejecting breads if that happens to be a person's case. And not saying that it's going to reverse something. It's like not for myself. I can't just reverse my lactose intolerance of sorts because I've always been lactose intolerant. People just need to find time. That's all I have to say. Finding time to at least time for everything else in life. We can find time to make our own food and prepare it. Definitely. I mean, a little bit of time, if you're even not going to make it yourself, at least spending a little time, like you're saying, developing a little bit of awareness. And just be aware. That's all. You know, and, 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 make an educated decision. And in closing, I mean, I was, I was hoping to have a little bit more time to talk about it. But, you know, in closing uh, with the uh, Madison Food Camp that was this weekend, uh, you know, it's inspiring to see a lot of people that are interested in learning more, becoming more inspired with different, um, not only fermented foods, but just food in general. And it was Madison food camp. It was a lot of presentations on different foods and a lot, there was a two fermentation tracks. I mean, two rooms that had fermentation things going on all day. And, you know, I led a class on heirloom yogurts and the importance of those. What's that? I said your love. Yes, I do love heirloom yogurts and on uh, cheese making. And so it's, it's, I just love being inspired by seeing other people that are excited about either trying something new or learning more about things. So there are a lot of people out there that are, they do have a craving for more knowledge about fermented foods, oh, about yeah. food in general. And so it's just nurturing that and, and having things like Madison food camp that allow people to, to, um, you know, because everyone kind of learns in different ways. Everyone does things better in different ways. I mean, for some, like I like to dive deep into books and, and try to just experiment and fail and make mistakes. And I'm okay with that. And I'll screw a lot of things up and, you um, know, no, you, you pretty, you like to follow to a T whereas I'm the one who tends to do what you just explained. No, no. Okay. Besides but diving if, into if books. I don't, but if I don't understand it completely and I still screw it up, I am okay with, you know, making those mistakes. It's worth it for the, the process to me. Yes. I disappointed as just as much as anyone else. If a sauerkraut batch doesn't turn out or if cheese that I've been aging for a, a few weeks to a few months, doesn't turn out. I mean, those things kind of things disappoint me definitely, but it doesn't discourage me to the point of not wanting to do it again. And, you know, we are, especially with fermented foods, kind of at a place where, a lot of people have been disconnected from traditional things. They don't have any family members. They don't have any friends that do ferments. I mean, more and more people can find someone locally that does. And that's where, again, something like the Madison food camp and, you know, that was uh, partnered with uh, slow food Madison and, you know, so things like slow food and, and otherwise uh, are able to, you know, bring more awareness get more people to know these things. So then you can spread it on to other people like the heirloom yogurts that I was handing out at these, uh, at this, this this workshop to spread out more heirloom to other people because the more people that are at least trying these heirloom yogurts and then the more people that are using these heirloom yogurts, hey, if someone's heirloom yogurt screws up, you might know a friend that's also making it. So these traditional things, be it sauerkraut, kombucha, or anything, if it's like the more people in a community, in a neighborhood, in a city, in a town, in a state, in a country that know these kind of things... Um, that, that have some kind of connection and can ask someone else. It's like, Hey, my sauerkraut's just really not working out. What did I do wrong? Or, you know, like these workshops where people are able to get a walkthrough or a discussion, be able to ask questions, have that dialogue that wasn't really necessary a lot of times before. I mean, sure through cheese making and otherwise it's been a, uh, you know, that artisanal process and apprenticeship has been a part of it. Means 
But a lot of these foods weren't commercialized even a long time ago. A lot of them were just made in the home. They weren't most being bought like sauerkrauts and otherwise people were just kimchi. I mean, making them at home. And so if we don't have anyone in our home or nearby that can explain it to us, it does make it kind of challenging. And so there, there are definitely well, with mistakes. the internet though. People have a lot of support even on the online community. It does. But again, everyone learns differently and some people digest information differently. And so that's where it's like, it's just, it's inspiring. And, and I am also inspired by seeing other people that are inspired about trying these different kinds of things. So that's why I like things like the, you know, Madison food camp that bring people together to, to explore something maybe they know a little bit about or know nothing about. It's just, I'm just, I'm just pumped up and excited. I can tell. I'm as pumped up and excited as, as you were <laughs> today, tonight about your, your food related stuff. So if you want to uh, send us any feedback regarding any of, of, of what we talked about today, I mean, whether you think we have something all messed up and you, or if you just have different suggestions or ideas or, 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 or a, different a, different, point of view. a different opinion, definitely share it. I mean, we'd be happy to share some of those opinions. Send us an email at podcast at firmup.com, or you can get us on Twitter at firmup or Facebook at firmup as well. And I, you can find us on Pinterest at Firm Up as well, but it's that probably not going to be sending much dialogue through that way. But if you have any pretty pictures, you know, pin them or do other things with them. But you know, it's like I'm really intrigued to hear what inspires other people to do these kind of things, or what inspires people to get food awareness. Like what what worked for them, and and yeah, all these things are just very fascinating to us. So so get in touch if you are interested in sharing your opinions. Otherwise, we will see you here we'll again. He- you'll hear us next week. Next week. Until For then. another amazing episode of Firm Up. Firm Up. <laughs>